subatomic gigantic occasion was a sweep in Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude, a common Morado, the greatest kicker of Japan. And of all man. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me, as always, my lovely co-host. Hello, I am Rex, and not with a screwed-up, high-pitched voice. What? I, lo- I, was going to, I was going to make a joke about you about a voice crack, and then I couldn't think of the word voice crack. I voice cracked? A little. A little bit? No bit? Yeah, a little. Just a little bit? Yeah, a little. Just a little bit? Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I was, like, going back to puberty there for a second. I mean, you already were, mentally speaking. I thought it was... I thought I was talking oh. like this. I suddenly have a <laughs> mental headache. Hey, you're the one that in, in, uh, introduced me to that. And it's one of my biggest regrets. <laughs> I mean, if I ever need to do a dramatic reading, though, I could be like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, if you're, doing a dra- if you're doing a dramatic readout like that, you should probably make sure people can actually understand what you're saying. Okay, hang on. No, 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 no. That wasn't an invitation. And Rex said he regretted everything. That How was, was that? An, that was not an open invitation. I think it worked. I want to die. You know, since we started recording, I don't know what happened, but my right eyeball has become intensely irritated. And, like, it doesn't want to open up, and it's just dying. Great. Now that you've mentioned that, now my right eye starts feeling goofy. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It's, like, itchy. Like, it, it, you just want to scratch it. As is mine. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> I really need that. I just manifested eye problems for both of us. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. It's like we have a connection. It's like the podcast has bridged out us two together. It's Dear like God. we are bound by the ring, the rope of fates. God help us. Oh, God. <laughs> My eye is killing me now. I swear to God. That, that sounds like fun. Oh, and now that you mentioned it, God... <laughs> Stop. We're gonna die. Stop. Actually, stop. Um, what? What's our next bet? <laughs> um. So, besides the scratchy eyeballs, Rex, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Besides from the scratchy eyeballs, now thanks to you, my evening has been completely ruined by this. Look, man, I didn't think it was gonna happen, and it's all okay. your fault. Mine's disappearing now. How about yours? No, stop mentioning it and it'll disappear. No, but like mine's good now. Like my my care. ear. That's great. That's great for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So 
Jesus, this eyeball is just f***ed every... Oh, sh**. <laughs> oh, God. Unhinged. The eyeball has screwed us all up. Oh, dear God. Well, it doesn't get much higher quality than this now, does it? Yes. What better content could the listeners ask for? Yeah, right? It's like, what What more could you want? Two people, like, millions of miles Two apart. bumbling idiots. Bumbling. Well, well, the bumbling part, I suppose, only applies to you. I'm not bumbling. If that's what you want to think. So, besides the itchy eyeballs, how have you been? Ah, uh, pretty good for the most part, you know. Anything exciting? Since. No, oh. not too much since, but it's been, there's been less of a gap since our last recording, so this to is some true. degree it's... that's to be expected. This is true, this is true. And speaking of which, we are now, I guess, this will be our first episode of March. Mm. We are three months into the, the year of Kaiju Conversation. Damn. Ain't that, ain't that crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I, oh God, I had no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get too far into kaiju conversation, uh, I've been doing well. Not that you, not that anybody asked, but yeah, yeah I've asked? been, yeah, nobody really cares. Nobody cares. Like, let's be real here. <laughs> I've been doing pretty good. I uh, have been working a lot. I have watched some tokusatsu, though. So, But before I tell you what toku I've watched, Rex, have you watched any? Um, Well, I haven't had too much of a chance to watch all that much. But last time, I said I was getting closer and closer to the end of Kamen Rider. And as of today, I have three episodes left. Wow. Yes. That's quite that's like a huge achievement because that show was so long. Yes, 98 episodes total. <laughs> and all I have and all I have left is just free. It's goddamn crazy to me, I swear. So what are you going to do once Common Rider's done? Ooh, like that's I'm... all you've been watching. Well, not all, but uh I've had, I don't know, I'm thinking of either maybe moving on to V3, maybe moving on to Kamen Rider Black, because um, I really want to rewatch Black Sun. Mm-hmm. So I'm not entirely sure yet. I'd also like to, um, yeah, one thing that I actually would like to do as well is rewatch Kamen Rider the first before Shin mm-hmm. comes out. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. Is that just because they're both kind of the same idea? Sort of, yeah. Okay. And I'm, and I'm interested in how they they'll sort of compare to each other as remakes slash film adaptations of seventy one. Mm-hmm. So this was the first time you've seen Common Rider seventy one, right? Yes, I've seen Common Rider the first before, but seventy one it's like all new to me. <laughs> gotcha. So now when you rewatch the first, you, you'll understand where the adaptations came from. And for the 71 elements in the next as well. 
Okay. I didn't think next, about that. Because the next is part um, part elements of N71, part elements of Common Rider V3. Really? Okay. And then part J-horror. <laughs> well, that's all, like, Common Rider is heavily based in J-horror. Yeah. Yeah. Modern shows less so, unfortunately. Bar, like, your Black Suns or Amazons. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean... The two best Modern Rider shows. See, I, I still haven't watched any Common Rider. All I know is it's about a dude who rides a motorcycle sometimes, and <laughs> he he does common stuff. Yes, he does the mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, God. But yeah, outside of that, I have actually watched the brand new Ultraman Decker movie as well. The final, is that the final journey to beyond? Yes. Yes, let's go. <laughs> you remembered the title. Congratulations. I remembered the title. That was okay. I, I, I didn't, didn't really enjoy it that much, but I didn't necessarily dislike it. You know, could have been better, could have been worse. Hmm. Credit where credit is due for um, Subaraya, or more accurately, Bandai for having some restraint in these like last two Ultraman movies and not really shoving down new gimmick forms down everyone's throat. And haven't they been hinting at, is it Gazer? Um, Blazer, I believe, is the current title. Blazer? Okay. Did I... Oh, because Gazer was the rumor title to tie in with Gaia. Yeah. And now it's... And now we've retranslated <laughs> Blazer. Yeah. Maybe... I, I wonder if the idea of, like, the new generation Tika and Dinah just wasn't working. I don't know. I mean, De- I mean, Decker has been pretty successful. Um, and Trigger, I don't think Trigger was as successful as Z no, or Decker. No, I think, but Trigger, I think, also had a lot of issues relating to COVID as well, which caused some rewrites and a lot of stuff changing, sort of last minute edition Trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Decker didn't have its fair share of issues like there was like for example a character uh, i can't speak an actor who was supposed to get a cameo in decker just couldn't for i think it was either like scheduling issues or something and various other last minute changes some yeah not as much of a mess as trigger from what i hear but still not not the easiest production so that makes me wonder if maybe the original idea was Gazer, but because of like all of the issues, I and mean, I've heard it probably also I, has to do a bit with um the tenth anniversary of New Gen, possibly as well. Okay, I didn't think about that. Then again, I don't. I'm stuck on disc two of Ultraman eighty. So to yeah. me, no, nothing <laughs> Ultraman exists past eighty and uh, the ultimate. Or the advent is it the adventure begins? No, that's Remo Williams. Uh, Ultraman. I wanted Stop. to say the the uh, the ultimate hero, but that's not it. Uh, is, Ultraman... it the, is it the Hannah Barbera one? Or... Yeah, is that it? The, no, adventure, the adventure begins. begins yes. Okay, so it's Remo Williams and Ultraman. Okay, <laughs> yeah, because I've seen that. 
and I've hmm. seen the first season of the Ultraman anime, and that's ancient Ultraman, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, nothing really exists past Showa and like one anime that's a direct sequel to Showa and the reimagining of Showa and the American adaptation. <laughs> Fair enough. But eventually I'll get past Ultraman 80. Eventually. Someday. I still need to start Ultraman Ace. Yeah, good luck with that. I don't <laughs> think I'll ever rewatch A. I well, if I ever cover it on a podcast, I'll have to rewatch it, but <laughs> I I don't I don't see myself going back to Ace. <laughs> yeah, I hear it's a major step down from the previous show Return. Oh well, yeah. But that's because Return was like amazing. Hmm. I've thought true. about going back to watching Return, but I've also thought about doing it with Ultra Seven, Sixty Six, and yeah. Ultra Q. I def I definitely really want to rewatch some episodes of Sixty Six and Seven sometime in the near future. Mm-hmm. I I could use a dose of Sixty Six, long overdue yeah. for it, honestly. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Um. But besides watching Ultraman Decca, the the journey to beyond, have you watched anything else? Well, there was one movie that was on our schedule that I happened to watch in preparation for this recording. I'm not sure if you've watched it yet, but... Was it The Howling Village? Because that's the tokusatsu I watched. No, no, that's not on our schedule. I still need oh. to see that. It's actually it's not awful. It's so it's it's Takashi Shimizu Going like, recommendation. Yeah. Uh it's by Takashi Shimizu who directed uh, another movie we've covered, Juon the Grudge. Um it's like his third most recent film, I think. Third or fourth. Yeah. Um it it follows your J horror tropes that we've already covered in Juon and the Ring. Uh, so you know it's nothing. Isn't it a part of like Howling Village? That's in like his anthology series of like village urban film. Yeah, urban village urban legend films. village films. Because you've got uh, Ox Village, Forest Village, the Ox Village one, and then um, Howling Village, and and then there's a new one that comes out later this year as well. Oh, there is. Yeah, I thought that tr- wasn't included. No, it's I, it's on the website. They mentioned that it's part of the series, and that's uh, incubation, right? Is that it? It's it starts um, with an I. I swear to God, it starts. I with can't an remember. I. I can't remember what it's called because it's I've seen something similar. I've seen people talk about it. Mm. Um, specifically on Facebook because immersion. I'm. Immersion. immersion, yes. Yes, that's what it's called, okay. So that's included? I believe so. Huh. From from what I when I re- I remember looking into it a little bit when the trailer came out, so I'm pretty sure it's included. In his horror village series. Horror village. Hmm. Now now I'm curious, like we'll have to I'll have to see what happens. Hmm. I have no clue if any of them actually connect or not. I'm just calling them an anthology series because I assume they are 
Well, I've heard that they're connected that way, too. Hmm. I don't know. I'll have to find out for myself. Yeah, English. I don't speak it anymore, apparently. Yeah, you've been struggling uh, all recording so far. Yeah, I know. What's happening to me? Well, I think you're just not good enough. Go home. Go home. (laughs) Go away. Get out. Um... And then... Foul Demon. I feel like there's another movie I covered, or I watched, and... Oh, really? Yeah. Was it, was it, was it, was it the, the brand new hit film, Cocaine Bear? No. Did you uh, watch that? Yes, I did. I, the marketing for that film has been crazy. I just gotta know, <laughs> does it live up, live up to, like, the stupidity, but fun... That it looks? Yes, but it could have gone further. Hmm. That's the one thing I wit that's the one thing I'll complain about majorly is that I think it could have gone further with the craziness. Hmm. But I will say the gore was very very nice. I very much appreciated it. Is it a gory film? Yeah, it's pretty gory, particularly that <laughs> the sequence that with the um, ambulance workers and all them. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... Uh, there's like... Nah, you should watch it. You should, you yeah, should watch I, it. Yeah, I might watch it. We'll see. I was waiting for the film for a while, since like back like oh, a good year or so at least was when I first caught wind of its existence. And I'll say this, it lived, it lived up to my hype. <laughs> <laughs> See, that one I've wanted to watch, I, I want to watch, and this is, like, not Toku, but, like, I've wanted to watch Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, God, you need to watch that. Oh, my um, God. Bro. And there was another, like, smaller film that, like, I was like, I should watch that. Yeah, bro, um, you need to watch Everything, Everywhere. Like, just do it. <laughs> I feel like it was another A24 movie. I could be wrong though. X? Poe? No, I I saw X in theaters. That was oh. actually Oh, you yeah, saw was, X? Damn, I yeah, still need to see it. I was X. on a I was on a vacation and I was bored. <laughs> and the the hotel I was staying at, there was a movie theater like down the street, so I was like Oh my god. I I told the people I was with, I, "Hey, I'm going to the movies." And they're like, "Could we go?" I said, "None of you want to go see the movie I'm going to see." <laughs> <laughs> So I went and I watched X in the theater by myself. Nice. I still need to watch it. Pearl is finally coming out in Australia. Only took it like almost a year. And uh, I will say this, and this is, you know, self-promoting here. But if we're talking about how I've been, uh, I want to say X kind of helped inspired what I'm working on right now, which is a what horror. Uh, no, just like the idea of like, home like low budget independent one um mm-hmm. i am working on a horror film and i used to i was saying short film but i guess this is where i can kind of reveal this oh um so i was working with my actor and i realized that i could take the idea further and i've actually got a story now bar the 10 minutes that I've filmed that can push it to an hour and a half, roughly. 
like an hour oh, wow. and five minutes to an hour and a half. So now we're going to work on filming what will be my first feature length film, oh, wow. which is going to be a horror short film or a horror film, which is kind of exciting. I feel like that's kind of cool. Like the idea that my first full length feature film is going to be a horror movie. Um, I like a few years back, I was writing a story. I mean, it only got like 20 pages in or not even 20. It was like 13. I got 13 pages into what I was going to do as my first feature length film, which was a, uh, 50s B movie inspired, uh, film, uh, Mm -hmm. like aliens coming down and like the small town and like this teenager and his girlfriend have to like save the day and all that like stupid stuff. Um, and then I was I'm trying to think because at that time I had watched plan nine from outer space. So that was my inspiration for this, but I kind of got bored and I didn't want to just do like a fifties boom B movie. It felt too like cliche and too like, goofy um so it just stopped and then quasar 3 was going to be 30 minutes long that was the next like full or or close to full length um the script was finished i just never filmed it because of scheduling and actors and all that mm-hmm. and then our project that we are still working on got delayed because i wanted to do some other things prior to get bigger projects under my belt, which led into uh, my YouTube video I'm working on. But then I shot this after watching the Fablemans, and now we're here with this, which is kind of exciting. And nobody cares. Like, nobody's listening to this to really care. You don't even care. But who knows? Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll like my horror movie. You're a fan of horror. I don't know if you appreciate, like, Low budget, like we don't have the effect, the budget to like make crazy stuff, but we did what we could with what we had. I don't know if you appreciate that, but well, we'll just I, have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of related back to there's this like Sasquatch movie. It's like suburban Sasquatch. No, it's like uh, the creature from Boggy Lake. I or, think I've actually heard that. It's like from the 1970s, or another one is like Snow Beast from 1977. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that one? Creature of Boggy Lake, definitely. Snow Beast, I'm not too sure. Oh, it's it's so it's Boggy Creek, and I don't remember doing this one, or seeing this one. And they're all like from like New Orleans or like the South. <laughs> And, like, you can tell they had no budget. Yeah. And it's, like, stupid. But there's, you know, it's like you can get in the mood for, like, low-budget Bigfoot movies. Mm-hmm. You like Yeti should. Giant of the 20th Century. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> How did I know it was going to lead back to Yeti? Hey, man. How did I know? Hey, man. Look. Yeti nipples. That's a very funny joke, Elijah. It's not a joke. 
your comedy has truly peaked. So what movie were we covering today? It's Creature from Black Lake. That's what it is. That's the Ah, one. okay. I've never seen it. Sorry, that. they all sound the same. Um, but speaking of a lake, I feel like I remember another movie I watched where this, this creature came from, from like a, a lake or an ocean. And it was really, really no. ugly. Yeah. Really no. Um I'm trying to remember what it was. It had a weird like hairdo and it was really ugly. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder could you have been looking in the mirror? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry, it was the obvious joke. You know, I'm done talking to you. You're done. You're done. Oh, what is that? <laughs> this is where we lose Kaiju conversation. All in all, worth it for a funny gag. Wow. <laughs> and of course, it's on this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the movie that breaks us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it damn near broke out, broke out Zencaster recording, so. Yeah. And it almost broke the fandom back in 2010, and I'm still trying to remember what it's called. So you seem to know what this movie is, but not what it's called. Yeah, it's almost like I'm trying to change up the gag a little bit so it's not the same thing I did for the last six recordings. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry for the audience that has to hear the same gag over and over and over again. Yeah, it's like like those parody kaiju movies that, like, do the exact same thing like they they have the deliberately bad miniatures and the deliberately bad acting and like the use of toys and it's obvious they're toys and and they the giant monsters deliberately do stupid stuff that you don't really want to see but they're trying to say hey this is a funny movie please laugh at our jokes hmm perhaps you could be talking about a movie starring you mentioned a th- uh, an ugly creature with some interesting hairdo. So perhaps you're talking about a kappa? I was thinking, yeah, yeah, a kappa. Hmm. I love yokai. Yeah. I oh, wait, are we covering one of the Daya yokai films? Ah, oh, I wish, but unfortunately I'm still still yet to watch any of them. Are we watching uh, one of the Tomaru Haraguchi uh, not Tomaru, Tomu Haraguchi uh, Kibikichi films. Sadly, not. But he did direct a a you know a kaiju parody film with a kappa yokai. As, really, as a kaiju. You know that sounds like it'd be so much better if Shinji Higuchi was involved. <laughs> better yet, honor too. Oh, God, no. It, uh, that means it's awful. No, that means it's Kino. So what could you be talking about? Well, so there's this 2010 movie that I watched uh, today, in fact, oh. called Death Kappa. Uh-huh. It might sound a bit familiar to you. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 
it's it's a it's it's like a kaiju parody film from the 2010s like what you mentioned earlier oh produced by nikatsu and uh tokyo shock aka media blasters aka fever dreams yes (laughs) being i believe the third of their original productions or co-productions being three three like and a half or four is that is that like including the other like machine girl stuff or no so we are covering death kappa yes that is the film we are covering shocking um in the pro, like the promotional video, John Cerebella, CEO of Media Blasters, did back in 2010, he cites it as the third Fever Dreams production. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being Machine Girl, and the second being Tokyo Gore Police. Yeah, and Japanese articles make the same claim of it being the third. But they also co-produced a film called Death Trance in 2005. With uh, Takasaguchi. Wait, they were the um, ones, wait. They did Death Trance. Yes, I've seen the DVD for that fl- floating around a couple times in like yes my local store. I've actually been thinking of picking that up. <laughs> and they had something to do with Shinobi Girl. I don't know about that one, but I know Fever Dreams was attached to Death Trance, which some people have basically said is just a versus wannabe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, partially because around the time Media Blast or Tokyo Shock at the time had released Versus to DVD. Yeah. So, yes, this, I mean, it was their, it was their third, I think it was their third with Nikatsu specifically, because Nikatsu okay. did Machine Girl and Tokyo Gore Police, to my understanding. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes more sense. So, yes, this and this is kind of interesting because we were seeing – so before we get into the film, I, I kind of want to establish because I think it's very important for when this film came out to understand what was going through everybody's head. Mm-hmm. Um, Media Blasters had been very successful with Machine Girl and Tokyo Gore Police. Both have become kind of – they both kind of started – a genre, I would say. Of like kind Japanese of like, splatter horror. Yeah, and like over the top. Because after that, yeah. Nikatsu did like Yakuza Weapon, Hell Driver. Um, they later did a Machine Girl 2. Um, so you kind of saw this new wave of like extreme cinema from Japan. But it was over the top. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, all of this started with Versus. Versus was kind of the beginning of that. Um, it just didn't catch on until Versus, I think, got international appeal, which would be your mid-2000s. So, like, Death Trance um, was one Shinobi Girl. I think Alien versus Ninja is another title that would fall under that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that was Nikatsu, at least. And Nikatsu was the leading uh, company behind this stuff. The Mm -hmm. low-budget, over-the-top, gory, kind of stupid, funny stuff. Hmm. Um, So they were trying to do stuff like that. Media Blasters was booming. Um, They were releasing 
uh, hentai and live action titles. And this was really around the height of their their popularity with like their versus title in Machine Girl and Tokyo Gore Police. Um, they had distribution rights to the newest Gamera film. Uh, so they in in Japanese genre for Japanese genre fans, Media Blasters was one of the biggest contributors to that. I mean, prior to that, they had done. I mean, they had released Common Rider the first. They had done uh, Keda Anamiya Zerum duology and Hikider. Uh, Devilman. They, they had been Devilman. Um, <laughs> They they had been doing so much, and you know, after this, we would see them even touch the Toho films. Yes, um, I think around two thousand and nine is when they were releasing some of those uh, offshoot kaiju films, like Varen and Dogura and whatnot. So, like, they were getting big major titles from Japan's bigger companies, mm. and part of that came from the success of Machine Girl and Tokyo Gore Police, which they had co-produced. Mm. And John Cerebella, CEO of Media Blasters, mm. wanted to do a kaiju film. Now, here's why at this time it was weird to do that. Godzilla's final film was in 2004, bombed yeah. at the box office. Gamera the Brave, Gamera's final film, Gamera the Brave, bombed at the box office. The Great Yokai War didn't do well enough for any sequels for the foreseeable future. Mm. Uh, Shochiku had done a low-budget uh, sequel to Monster X, or the X from Outer Space known as Monster X Strikes Back Attack the G8 Summit, but it was kind of an independent title. Yeah. Um, Around this time, Minoru Kawasaki was coming out. Uh, that was his first kaiju film was Monster X Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. uh, Shinpei Hayashiya had done Rigo. Um, you had like Gihara. And so all these films, they were, they were all independent. They were all made by people. Um, another example is Negadon the Monster from Mars. Mm -hmm. um, Demi King the Sea Monster. I don't know if I had just mentioned that one, but that's another one. Um mm -hmm. I think the clay god around this time. So yeah, yeah, that would have been about like, a year after this one, I think. So at this time, like the idea of big budget giant monster movies was kind of dying. Mm. Um, it just it wasn't viable, and Media Blaster saw a perfect idea to kind of try to bring it back, mm -hmm. but as the ultimate parody so in the marketing for this they said king kong is dead godzilla is retired gamera who <laughs> a new monster is in town mm. so death kappa was an attempt to reinvent the genre and i would argue it it worked somehow. Oh. But it didn't work in the way that Nikatsu expected. And that's what I'm going to get to. That's where I'm going to leave off and let us dive into it and 
that mm. is what I will conclude with is how it impacted modern kaiju cinema. I'm cu- I'm curious to see where you'll go with that actually. Mm. Yeah, I got I got to hold the people in suspense, you suspense, know. Suspense hostage. Yeah. Yeah. So but, but let's now dive into the movie and talk about this production in this movie. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so I guess, do we just want to do what we do and just start at the film and just talk about the film, like what happens throughout it and like, okay, we can, we can do that. That'd be fine. Okay. So the film opens with like a little exposition dump by this American talking yes. Japanese. And Professor Tanaka. Yes. I, I was like, I wonder if that's a reference to Tomiyuki Tanaka. Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't there's, shock me either. There's a lot of things where I'm like, that might not be a reference, but it probably is. Yeah, like, and it, even in this opening, there are Showa Kaiju roars for Varen, right? Oh, Varen, yeah. Varen, Varen Ty- King Kong, Titanosaurus. Titanosaurus, yep. Ebera. Ebera, yep. And I think um, even there's some, like, Ultra Q sounds mixed in. Or maybe that's later in the film. I could be wrong. Yes, there there is some Ultra Q sounds later in the film. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of stock sounds from the Showa films. Oh, even like um, some later, like, mo- not quite modern Ultraman, but like Heisei Ultraman roars for later on are used as well. Mm-hmm. So we get this exposition dump that's basically like the beginning of any like American adaptation of uh, a 1960s kaiju movie where it's like the narrator's like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Isn't that the opening to Gigantus? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty (laughs) sure it is. In In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Or maybe I'm thinking of another 50s B movie. But the idea is... It's this dude talking about like cryptids and whatnot, and, and yeah, kappas exist. And then Loch Ness it cuts... monster, your favorite yetis exist. Yes, the Himalayas <laughs> yeti. And then we cut to our main character. Yeah, right? yeah, Kanako. Kanako. So yeah, we get we cut to Kanako, who is a failed pop artist. Who's yeah. going back to her hometown. hometown. And like she arrives at the hometown and like. She goes me- goes to meet up with her grandmother played by um, uh, Hiroko Sakurai? Uh, yes. Yes. Hiroko Sakurai, who hmm. was Fuji in the original Ultraman. And plays and plays Fuji Ko in this film. Yes, she also was in Ultraman's Earth, Ultraman Cosmos, The First Contact, Mebius, mm-hmm. Max. and Ultra. Bro- was she in Max? Yes, she's oh. in like the first episode oh. as well she as was... Makarobe. That's right, and she was also in Superior, Ultraman Eight Brothers, Ultra Q, Busca, Mighty Jack, Mirror Man, and Ultraman Leo. Mm. <laughs> um. So, a little background here. You're going to see a lot of Ultraman stuff in this. And that's oh, yeah. 
There's quite a few familiar faces in this film. <laughs> yes. And that's partially due to the fact Tomu Haraguchi had worked on uh, Ultraman 80, Ultraman Mebius, Ultra 7X, Ultraman Ginga. Mm. Um, I mean, he directed some of Ginga in particular. Correct. Um, so, and because of that, he and, and I mean, he had worked on the every Gamera film from Guardian of the Universe to Gamera the Brave. Yeah, being um, the molar for monsters. Mm-hmm. He had worked on Sinking of Japan, Kibikichi 1 and 2 he directed. He worked on Rigo. He had directed a movie for uh, Toho titled Mika Droid Robokill Underneath Disco Club Layla, which I've mm-hmm. talked about in uh Frequently, that was the first film Shinji Higuchi was the director of effects on, which is mm-hmm. quite ironic because I think that was Tomu Haraguchi's first film he directed. And then he would later work with Higuchi on the Gamera films and then Sinking of Japan. And then because of that history, he would have a contact to get him to cameo in Death Kappa. Yeah. And a lot of Death Kappa is from Subaraya people. Because of how established Haraguchi was in the industry, he was able to pull a lot of people from Subaraya to work on Death Kappa, which mm. is how we got a surprisingly well-made, uh, low-budget parody film. Mm. Unlike oh, yeah. something like uh, – I'm trying to think of another parody film. Or like Nodzilla. Like Nodzilla. That looks bad. Um Death Kappa actually looks pretty decent for what mm. it's going for. Yeah, honestly, the like the miniatures themselves and like the kaiju suits in the film were pretty but on par for Subaraya. You can't count Kappa because Kappa was made no. like six years prior, mm. which is kind of shocking because the suit has held up really well. Yeah, like almost a decade I had mean, passed. I mean, so Haraguchi worked with Subaraya, right? Yes, he had worked so, so as maybe far back as 80. Knew, maybe he also knew how Subaraya stores their suits. Because, like, it Subaraya could... production is, is very good at storing their suits and making them last a long time. This is true. This is very true. As Haraguchi probably learned from Ultraman Ginga a few years later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't they use, like, some Showa suits in that? They used a, a, an alien suit from Taro, only replacing, like, the beard hair that it has. Huh. Yeah. So, you know, it, I, this film has a lot of familiar faces and a lot of bigger name uh, people for tokusatsu, I should say. Mm-hmm. Not like Toho levels, but like Superaya, so like popular within within its own genre. Yeah, um, which already had, I think, Death Kappa gave it a heads up from like uh, the Rigo and Raiga trilogy um, mm. because it I mean, had that production I mean, crew behind it. Oh yeah, if we're speaking strictly production crew, then yeah, yes, um, yes. But like Rigo and Raiga, for example, has like in its cast. Um, Ultraman himself, Susumu Kurobe. Right, and uh, and uh, Yokojiro Hataru and Keda Anamiya oh, was I... uh, 
uh, designer for them in Tomori. Wait, Amamiya Tom- was involved in Rigo. The- he designed he? Rigo. Mm-hmm. Huh. I think he designed both Rigo and Riga. He was on the designing crew for that. You're the one that told me that. I I don't remember telling you that. What? Yeah. You're gaslighting me. No, I swear to God, you told me Keda Anamiya worked on Rigo and Riga. Maybe not Riga, but Rigo I know. Huh. I don't remember this. But yeah, we're introduced to... We're introduced to Kaneko, her grandmother, as well as a band of drunk-driving teenagers. <laughs> yeah. So, this is where I'm just going to dive in. So, as quickly as her grandmother's on screen, she <laughs> dies. Yep. But, like, her death is so, like, okay. It goes back to the whole idea of this is like shock cinema or like surprising cinema, crazy over the top stuff. Like an old lady just got mowed down by this Volkswagen with four teenagers in it. It's supposed to be ridiculous, but the issue is like nothing. It just happens. Mm. And for me, it was just kind of like, okay. Oh, there's also just these guys in the town that are like, deformed or have scars on their faces yes and like they do nothing they they're just there for some they pad the runtime they they they, yeah pretty much they add the extra 18 minutes to make it full length (laughs) because this film is only 70 almost 80 minutes long this is a short movie in its u.s cut in its U.S. cut. In its Japanese cut, it's six minutes longer. Yes. Uh, which we'll get into the differences at the end here. But it's it's a considerably short movie. Mm-hmm. Which I appreciate. I, I don't think a parody film should really go on for that long, uh, much longer than that. So, you know. Likewise. But I even then, I feel like this film overstays its welcome, especially with this opening. Uh, and, mm. like, honestly, the first third of the movie, I feel like, drags and just doesn't make sense to the later part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I do I do think this film has some issues with going on too long as is, but it's not the most egregious with that, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, after she dies, she said her, her dying head. words are... We need to take care of the Kappa. Mm-hmm. And then the teenagers, like, plot convenience, knock off a Kappa statue, and, like, it awakens the Kappa, kind of like GMK and the statues yeah. that awaken the Guardian monsters. There's a lot of small things in here that's like, I wonder if yeah, that's... I definitely picked up on that GMK one. I'm like, hold up. Because <laughs> some people have even brought up how Dr. Yamane's influence on the opening with that professor. Um... Yeah. I I didn't... I, I did see some people comparing him to Yamane. I don't really see him... I, he's definitely feeling like that's 
um, that scientist's role, but I wouldn't say specifically going for like a doctor. I agree. I agree. Um, One thing that I noticed was the weird similarity, uh, and this is like really obscure, so like I'm probably pulling this out of my butt. Um, But in the television movie, uh, Ten Nights of Dreams, there is a section where this guy goes back to his hometown on a train, and I felt like it was very similar to how she comes back on the train. Uh, just kind of how we, she enters and, you know, it's just the the uh, station master mm. and how she walks through the this almost empty building, uh, this empty town. Uh, that kind of reminded me of the, the section. I don't remember what it was. Um, it was probably the best part of that TV movie, but... Uh, it, it kind of reminded me of that, even though I doubt that has any relation to it. It might just be similar ideas. Um, but, you know, going back to where we were, the Kappa awakens. And from there, we're introduced to our villains, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> this movie jumps around. Like, it's hard to determine what the plot is. I don't really know if this movie has a plot. It, for me, I feel like this movie has two distinct sections. You know, everyone talks about this being like a parody of like Godzilla. I feel I feel this first half of a movie is more more sort of common rider or like kikaida like in it just missing like with kappa sort of being like the uh, stand-in for rider in a way um meanwhile the second half is sort of like the second half is sort of like your godzilla your ultraman so can you can you elaborate on that common rider kikaida thing because i'm okay. curious on what what that means and like Go ahead and, like, if you want to push the plot we're yeah. at right now forward, like, go for it. I'm really yeah. curious on this. So, so while we have our main character, Kaneko, um, meet, discovering the Kappa's existence, we also – it's intercut with scenes of the teenagers getting attacked by what the movie initially sort of, like, suggests could be, like, a Kappa or another Kappa – but is actually a bunch of Japanese nationalists. <laughs> yeah. And, and eventually after some like comedy scene setting up that the Kappa loves Kaneko's music, introducing these two characters who will never appear again in the film after these scenes um, and all that, she gets kidnapped by the nationalists and this one woman who is dressed up as um sasori the female prisoner scorpion (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and yeah she gets captured in their base and they sort of explain that they're an army of nationalists and the scorpion dress lady whose name is yuriko her grandfather was like doing experiments to make um, 
for the Nazis to turn people into like like these sort of like fish monsters, these fish kaijin uh, to fight against the Americans because Japanese the Japanese army had less numbers. And then mm-hmm. Hideaki Anno shows up. <laughs> Hideaki Anno is just a, Japan, a Japanese nationalist in this movie. <laughs> I mean, can you? Are you really surprised? Like, look at look at Shin Godzilla. <laughs> Um, yeah, and there's this random cameraman guy following around Arno and the other guy who's an actor from Ultraman Nexus. (laughs) But yeah, so they explain basically that they're evil. They want to turn, like, Kaneko into a fish girl. Isn't the idea basically what uh, Jinguchi wants in Atragon? What, to make the Japanese, to bring back, like, the... <laughs> no, you gotta get the exact quote. You, you, <sighs> Anno's quote, you have to get exact. Ah, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have the quote written down. <laughs> Here, I'll get it for you. I'll get yes. it for you. Because I, I have the quote. <laughs> because it's so ironic. <clears throat> Here's the quote. Now is the time to restore true Showa ambition. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Oh, God. So the script was a few years ahead of what was planned. (laughs) But yes, Anno successfully brought back true Showa ambition. Oh my god. Common Shin Common Rider coming in theaters March. Yeah. But yeah, no, the whole this whole like sequence in their base and the set design sort of it, it sort of feels like a modern ish take on like a shocker type base, except Except for the fact that it's literally Japanese nationalists. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I guess you could also say that um, Kaneko is kind of your main character. And then she does uh, randomly get like this dude and this kid. Yeah. Which kind of follows the Showa TV trope of like you have a kid and, and like a potential significant other, but nothing ever develops. So yeah, because they really disappear. <laughs> they do. They disappear right after they're introduced. I actually like have a weird a... music video, and then the, they yes. disappear. And I actually wrote the side characters feel useless. There is not a single character besides Kaneko and Kappa that feel like they provide anything relevant to the plot. Yeah, and I mean, the not film's even the villains. The film's struggling to keep Kaneko re- relevant at all after this sequence, right? Because <laughs> so your first. Because all of this happens in about 40 minutes out of this 80-minute movie. Yeah. 40 minutes of this is quite literally just setting up the cap. The kappa doesn't appear until like 30 minutes in. And I then mean, it, for... It appears earlier than It's that. like 25. It's like 25. <sighs> well, like in the plot. It's birthed, but then it doesn't really become relevant or like intertwining with Kaneko until like... 25 minutes in. Yeah. 
something like that, whatever. <laughs> Kappa only becomes relevant 25 minutes in, and then by the 40-minute mark is out of the picture because everybody's kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And then two of them disappear, and then one's just be going to become a fish person. A lot of people have actually compared the fish people to Terror Beneath the Sea, the 1966 Toei Sonny Chiba movie. Mm. I can't really comment since I've never seen that, so... I have um, what they look like. the the only thing that it's that's significantly <sighs> significantly relevant is just the uh like the idea of fish people that are like slaves that are like supposed to be this army. That's mm-hmm. it. Um yeah. and maybe it was on purpose because like you know it 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 all of this does kind of have a whole like deliberate like reference and then the references just get like even more just piled on as the film progresses into the final act which is about what 30 it's the last 30 minutes of it yeah um because about at the 45 minute mark um kappa appears to save the day out of nowhere i might add yeah he just appears on set (laughs) um he fights the fish people and the nationalists and, and the then evil the scientists. And lady shoots, just starts shooting Hideaki Anno, which is hilarious. <laughs> and then, so, and which felt very Toei Spider-Man. What, her shooting Anno? Yeah, with the AK. Honestly, I kind of got classic, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger action film vibes from it. Particularly with all like the blood, the blood squibs. Yeah, but see, that's another thing that was like a staple of the <laughs> that wave of Japanese films was like the blood, you know, spurting out of everybody and like being over the top. Mm. So that's just another one know. of those tropes that was in the genre. That sure, but to me, it just sort of it it felt more the the way. Like Arno's swaying his body body around. It's more like, you know, one of the guys that Schwarzenegger would shoot in yeah. any of his movies. Or like when Ed Two Hundred Nine shot the business dude yeah. in Robocop. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, and then like everybody's like basically dead, or like they're knocked down, and then the crazy scientist lady's like everything's ruined, even though she kind of was the one that ruined everything. But Kaneko somehow, like, super chops this, like, remote control device, which breaks the fish people and whatnot. Also, the teenagers turn into fish people. They kill the the guys and make the girls fish people, which felt very reminiscent of Machine Girl, I might add. Have you seen Hmm. Machine Girl? I have not. Okay, so do you want, like, a little plot spoiler? Sure. Feel free. Um... So in in Machine Girl, and I think it's it's mostly in Rise of the Machine Girls, which is the sequel. Um, they like take people and try to like. Well, I guess yeah, it is Rise of the Machine Girls. Um, in the sequel, they take girls and like turn them into robots. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I feel like I've already seen this idea of like the cute chicks being turned into the monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like. They were horrible human beings, and, like, we don't have any care for them. So, like, 
I don't feel any. Again, the side characters are pointless. There's no emotional like, oh no, in here. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it feels I mean, so only, bland. The only oh no part is oh no, Kanako's going to be turned into the third Kappa girl or whatever. But even then, like, we we haven't had enough development or anything to like. I feel like care about her. Mm. I just the movie moves so fast. It's like Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> it just moves so fast that it's like, okay, we're here. We jump around spots. We is have that, some... is that our link to Godzilla vs Kong? We finally found a way to link it. Yep, that's that's <laughs> that's. It all comes back here. <laughs> um, and it just—I don't know—it just feels boring. Um. And then at Honestly, the end, she... I thought I thought this section was pretty fun, just for how. I mean, yeah, just this for the part's ridiculousness fun. of. But also, you have to admit, when we get to this part, it's like, are we done? Like, I feel like we've. It it does feel like we've hit the end of the episode. Like, mm-hmm. Kikaido or Common Rider is in the base, yeah. and fighting the villains. And it's like, okay, so like in three minutes, if they don't beat everybody, they're gonna die. Yeah. So it's almost and, over, right? And then the crazy scientist lady blows up the facility with an mm-hmm. atomic bomb. I also want to point out that both times I watched this movie today, when we did, even in the second time, like I've already done this once, but I had to do it the second time. I, when we got to this, the section of the base fighting, I checked my runtime to see how much longer I had. And there was still half of a movie left. And I'm like, yeah. What? <laughs> it feels already over. Yeah. Because the main conflict is done because they blow up. Like you said, she uses an atomic bomb and it's over with. I mean, from this point forward, there's like a whole like 20, 30 minute stretch of this movie afterwards that just feels Almost like just a, a sizzle reel for special effects, because <laughs> mm-hmm. not much really happens plot wise after this point. Um, I do say I did like the fact that the the, the fact the effect <laughs> of the smoke after the bomb, like where they put the food coloring into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen the documentary bringing Godzilla down the size where like they recreate the explosion from like atragon i've seen bringing godzilla down to size once but i don't recall this so in there's a section where they like try to recreate a showa explosion um where they dump food coloring into the water and whatnot and that's what they did for the nuclear explosion here plus a little added cgi Mm. um which i thought was cool um I also I did want to bring up I thought I feel like this film does a good job with its colors yeah. except for the day for night shots that's the only time it's yeah. like this doesn't I think like look the Bay or the National yeah. Space sorry <laughs> too, too much common writer on my mind <laughs> um I like the like the green and red color schemes with hints of sort of like blue occasionally mm-hmm. I like that I re- I like that set and I like the the um lighting on that. I agree. It, it 
it's very dramatic and very like moody. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I like stuff like that, even though it's like unnecessary. I absolutely love that. I mean, this film is going for style over substance, so I appreciate having a decent style. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, it's all and like even the the camera work. Um, Haraguchi clearly has something here. Mm-hmm. Um, like some sort of idea of how he wants to film it. It's very well shot. It's like, yeah, not horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do think his special effects sequences are probably shot a bit better for the most part. Yes, but that's because he's a special effects special guy. effects director. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind too, this was Nakatsu's second kaiju film, so the fact that they were able to pull this off, I think, is pretty good, too. Like, the, mm. the kaiju stuff itself. Yeah. Part, though, like we mentioned prior, that's partially because of the use of Subaraya's uh, effects hands. Yeah. But speaking of the kaiju, I suppose we should introduce it. Um, Hangulas. Yes, out of nowhere. Just out of appears. nowhere. Yeah, like, they, they go from the beach to Tokyo, and it's like, what? Mm-hmm. How do we get here? Apparently, it's so the fish people during the atom bomb. Like, apparently, the idea is that they merge to become Hangulos. Ghidorah ninety one. The film does not make that clear. I was very confused on why Hangulos just appeared, but mm-hmm. apparently, apparently, that's the reason. <laughs> And from here, it's sort of just, we get about 20 to 30 minutes of a monster rampaging while the military tries to fight back. We get some cameos from, like, the not-mazer tanks as well. Yes, the the not-mazer tanks. I loved that. Mm-hmm. That, that um, was a nice little reference. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean... We we get some cool cameos from even some uh, tokusatsu veteran actors. Yeah, you got um, um, the female host from Ultraman Ace in there as one of the military mm-hmm. people. Yes, that's uh, Mitsuko Hoshi, who was in um, Iron King, Ultraman Ace, Ultraman Taro, the original Karate Robos and Borgar series, um, Ultraman Mebius, Superior uh eight ultra brothers mebius and the ultra brothers um she appears in here um we also have uh let's see uh uh shigeru araki Mm -hmm. um as i believe he is the self-defense force commander commander he was in ultraman tiga uh common writer stronger yeah He's the main um, character of Stronger. Mm-hmm. Who he appeared in the Stronger movies, of course, in Black RX, mm-hmm. um, various Metal Heroes series, and a few other uh, tokusatsu shows, which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. Um, and, I mean, it, it's it's quite literally just your stereotypical monster rampaging, military yeah. fighting, jumping I mean, back to the boardroom talking about what to do. Yeah. It, it for me, I think it, I think it goes on a bit too long. 
Absolutely, because it becomes it does become repetitive. It's like okay, we've seen this now seven or eight times. And I mean, part of, and I mean, like it's shot well, but like the rampage itself is not that exciting. Yeah, like um, Hangulos only destroys like one or two buildings during mm-hmm. the entire like twenty minute sequence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like. For 20 minutes, it's mostly just a kaiju walking and occasionally interacting with the military. Right. With the military talking. Yeah. It's it's not... And, and because they're trying to go for the low budget, it just doesn't... There's not enough eye candy here for you to enjoy it. Yeah. Like, if it was, you know, like... Gamera uh, Heisei trilogy levels of like detail and like effects like that would be a different story like that would be I mean the the actual miniature buildings themselves don't look bad they look no they look like a late Showa Ultraman yeah they look about on par maybe like yeah around about on par with what Subaraya was doing at the time it it sort of has some of Subaraya's same trappings though where like sometimes it's obvious they are limited and, and this is an issue that the Millennium Godzilla series has as well mm-hmm. where they're limited in the amount of buildings they have right um so you're only getting buildings in the foreground and and like a couple in the background and so the middle of the set is completely empty, which, to be fair, this film does a decent job at hiding that for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also leads to, like, a lack of any, like, interesting, you know, destruction happening. Right. Yeah, and like you said, there's only, like, two or three buildings that are actually destroyed. Mm. And it just doesn't, it doesn't land. It really doesn't. Mm, it um, it almost works. Even like it almost kind of works, even though it's no matter what, it's still too long. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and you know, you get a couple references like the Mazer tank showing up. Which, I mean, not only is it a Mazer tank, it's coming out of like like a tunnel, very reminiscent of like in a shot, very reminiscent of like War of the Gargantuas. Right. Um, so you get those neat references, and the suit itself for Hangulos is it's decently cool. Mm-hmm. Looks it looks about on par with like a Ultra Kaiju of the time. So right. And then, so after this destruction sequence, we get a, a O2 Terror of Mechagodzilla with a blue beam. Ironic, right? <laughs> Hitting uh, Hangulus, right? Hangulus. Yeah. Um. Knocking him down, and then here comes Kappa, who has become Daikaiju Kappa. That's mm. not what it's actually called, but that's what I would call it. Um, yeah. So Kappa has grown large because of the atomic bomb. And then we get, quite literally, a wrestling match. Yeah. <laughs> um, You do have an O. They grab an oil uh, tanker, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do like the Godzilla and Abra like volleyball thing with the rock, but they do it with this oil canister. Um, hmm. 
it, it's very much a wrestling match. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a few other Godzilla references in it. Like there's a bit where they're, where it's like two, the puppets of like Kappa and of Hungulos. And it's like a upper body puppet. Yes. And the way it's shot, no, there's no way they're not referencing Ghidorah, the free-headed monster. Mm-hmm. With <laughs> how like, Rodin and Godzilla were. Yeah. It, yes. It's it's like, beat, it, it feels like that sequence. And I mean, Hangulos is very Godzilla-like, and Gappa, uh, Kappa sorry, has a beak, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, and from here, like, it gets interesting. Um... I think this is a fun sequence. It's fun. It is fun. But I also think partially because of the fact that the Hangulus uh, destruction sequence went on for as long as it did. Mm -hmm. It also just kind of suffers from oversaturation because at this point it's – And it falls into late Showa Ultraman problems, which is they miraculously find an open spot where there's no buildings akin from like two and it's an open field you see you see i i didn't have a problem with this because very clearly the entire area has just changed to being a wrestling arena and Mm -hmm. i i think that's so ridiculous and the film is has clearly at no point been going for realism where i'm like yeah, I vibe with this. I'm I'm fine with this. <laughs> I think it fits enough with the tone of the film. I mean, if they're trying to just do a straight up like, yeah, this is like late seventies kaiju. Yes, it, mm-hmm. it it hits all those marks. But I think I mean, that they, was one of they even do the tail pull off, like in mm-hmm. Ultraman or Zone Fighter, <laughs> mm-hmm. or like the pick up and like the spin around and toss. Yeah. Like, there's some obvious, like, Ultraman callbacks here. Mm. And then uh, when you think Kappa is about to lose because Hangulus uses its de- uh, death, don't they call it a death ray? It was either that or the Mesa tanks were called the death ray, one or the other. I'm going to call it the death ray. Whatever. But it's then, fire breath. But uh, I actually should say here, they mistakenly call Gappa, Kappa. See, now you got me saying Gappa. Uh, Kappa, a monster, and then our scientist dude interrupts again. This is where the Ultra Q sound effect comes in. Yeah. And he's like, this is not a monster. This is a mythical creature versus a giant cr- monster. Mm. Um, which kind of sets up for the finale of the fight where Hangulus is breathing this death ray onto Kappa, and Kappa somehow, like, manipulates the fire to, like, go back. Yeah. And it blows up Hangulus, much like how at the end of an Ultraman fight, the kaiju explodes. Mm. Um, And then we get a... We get the twist, which is Kappa now goes after the entire world. Yeah, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah style in a sense. Mm-hmm. Where it's intercut with like animated destruction sequences with like an old film layer for some reason. Yeah, I mean I think some of it's also like stock footage too. I was thinking it was. I felt like it was stock footage from something like use, Negadon. 
Maybe, because I know they use, like, when the atomic bomb goes off earlier in the film, they intercut it with some, like, stock footage shots as well. Mm-hmm. Now, during this, this, they're like, Kappa's turned against us. And the scientist somehow walks into this military boardroom meeting. <laughs> That's right. And we get the meaning or the metaphor, like Heisei Godzilla style. Yeah. Where he's like, the reason Kappa's turned on us is because we failed to accept the existence of mythical creatures. <laughs> He's like the lady from Mechagodzilla 93 where it's like, yeah, artificial life versus natural life. It's like, who are you? Why are you here? How is you, how are you relevant to this story? You're not. You see, Stop. he's relevant to increase the runtime. Uh-huh. Which I might add, I feel like at this point the film has overstated. So I'm saying that a lot. I feel like most films yes, are way too long. Yes, you that like every time. Every time I feel like – now this one's not – it's like five to ten minutes too long. You see, I I wouldn't – if if the if the Hangulus Rampage was shorter, then you I would – You would disagree. Yeah, I would say that this film is like – Almost a perfect runtime. Not quite, I would agree. but almost. It's just that one sequence that I think goes on for way too long. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's like, well, we're all going to die. And Literally. After, yeah, and then after f- about 30 minutes of not being relevant, Kaneko shows up again. Which <laughs> is confusing because... Shouldn't she bomb. be dead? Now, in the Japanese cut, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. So, in the Japanese cut, she appears in a Shobajin outfit as a giant version of herself, kind of like the Ultraman episode, mm-hmm. um, and sings Kappa, and they live happily ever after. Mm. Yeah, whereas just here, she is on top of a building normal size and just sinks to the cap to calm him down. He and then pours the... water on his plate on his head. Oh yeah. 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 And then everyone says goodbye, Kappa. You didn't destroy anything. Everything's okay. And then he walks onto the ocean and that's it. The end. Question, Question mark. mark. In Godzilla font. Yeah. So this movie I couldn't help but notice I've seen this movie before, mm-hmm. but not Death Kappa. And this is where I'm going to tie it all back. Oh. So while watching the movie, I couldn't help but realize that it gave me like weird vibes of like something Minoru Kawasaki would create. Mm-hmm. And I did some looking, and Monster X Strikes Back, which was a reboot to a Showa film, uh, but a comedic film with crazy uh, like terrorists that take over and like are insane, and and crazy stuff happens. All of that happens in Monster X Strikes Back, mm-hmm. and it happens in Death Kappa. And then I did a little more digging. 
the writer for the co-writer for Death Kappa, Mazaki or Masakazu Mik, Mik, Mikita, Mikita, Mikita wrote the following stuff: Gridman, Ultra Seven, the nineties uh, OVTs, Ultraman mm-hmm. Tiga, Ultraman Dina, Ultraman Gaia, Ultraman Neo, Ultraman Cosmos. Busca Busca, Ultra Q Dark Fantasy. And then he also wrote The World Sinks Except Japan, Monster X Strikes Back, Attack the G8 Summit, Earth Defense Widow, Monster Seafood Wars, and Outer Man. He co-wrote with Minoru Kawasaki. Mm. And then it hit me. Death Kappa was setting up for the next decade of independent kaiju films we would see. (laughs) Because following this, most of your kaiju films from Japan would be in the form of parodies. Mm. Bar your Ultraman movies and your occasional independent production that tried to do something different. Yeah. The difference was, it wasn't just uh, Megita... Mikita writing. It was also Kawasaki, who I think knows how to write humans a little bit better. Hmm. So Death Kappa was essentially the formula that all independent kaiju films would follow as it was the turning point for parodies to become the norm. And this we – did we talk about this in – was it the Shin Ultraman? Uh, recording where we talked about how kaiju have become more of a joke than a serious we might have i i don't remember honestly but you remember that conversation right i remember us having a conversation like that at some point i don't remember if it was during a recording or not though i don't remember but the the point we were talking about in the recording was or in the discussion was kaiju have become kind of a joke. Mm -hmm. You don't see very serious kaiju movies anymore. Mm -hmm. Unlike you did like in the 70s and whatnot, where everybody, like it was silly. It had silly concepts. It might have been Cutie Honey where we mentioned a similar point as well. Not specifically about kaiju, but like sort of parodies um, in general more. Of Tokusatsu. It might have been. Um, But what we were talking about was, for some reason, in the last 10, 15 years, something changed. The genre of kaiju became more of a joke about itself than serious. Mm. And Death Kappa was the big push for that. Death Kappa was the, like, one of the top studios in Japan... Nikatsu produced this film. And Mm. following this, we saw Kawasaki, his grow to kaiju fame begin. You had, following this, you had Earth Defense Widow, um, Outer Man, uh, Monster Seafood Wars, uh, Kaiju Mono. Kaiju Mono, which I feel like uh, Hingulus looks a ton like Mono. When you mm. look at the two kaiju, they look so similar. Mm. Plus, you got the whole wrestling thing as well. Yes. 
And, I mean, even in God Raiga versus King Oga, it kind of borderlines that parody. Hmm. So, to me, Death Kappa was, in a way, the the statement of now is time to make fun of this stuff instead of take it seriously. And up until 2016 Shin Godzilla, that was the mentality. And what's ironic is the reason that mentality changed is Hideaki Anno wanted to bring back the Showa ambition. <laughs> and then from there we had Shin Godzilla. Um, another one was Jellyfish Eyes, though failed. It was still a pretty serious film. Uh, and, you know, from Shin Godzilla, we got, like, the anime trilogy. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of uh, other, like, serious kaiju films. I can't really think of any Howl. from Japan that were Howl. Um, Shin Ultraman, of course. Yeah. Um what to do with Titan the... duology? Not technically kaiju, but similar wavelength sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Great Yokai War, Two Guardians, um, but that had comedic elements as Miike films do. Mm-hmm. Um, what to do with the dead kaiju was more of a comedy, um, but they are—they don't work on a grand scale on a big budget. They don't work. Death Kappa has been received very poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Titan Goji labeled it as the worst kaiju movie ever. You see, from I, I wouldn't say it's just all around horribly received because I because there's a there are people who like this. Like mm-hmm. I've seen I mean, a lot of positive reviews. From what I can gather, opinions are just completely all over the place for the film. <laughs> and part of that comes from, and that's why I established the context at the beginning of this recording. Death Kappa came out around a time when Kaiju was so irrelevant that people were just wanting anything. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how Godzilla vs. Kong came out when there were no films in theaters and people just latched onto it and just Look it for everything it was. Death mm-hmm. Kappa was that to the the fandom. Yeah. It was a breath of fresh air that didn't take itself seriously, that gave people what they wanted, like 25, 30 minutes of kaiju action. Yeah. It delivered on what people were wanting at the time. Mm-hmm. Even though you had the Rigo and Raiga films coming out, Demi King, G, uh, Gahara, none of this stuff was being brought to the West. And what made yeah. Death Kappa special was it was co-produced. It's one of only a handful of kaiju films that were co-produced from a, with a Japanese company and an American studio. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only that, it's also due to its co-production with Media Blasters, it's one of the more, was one of the more available and well-known of those sort of parody era kaiju flicks Mm -hmm. on top of having a decent amount of kaiju screen time compared to say like demi king Mm -hmm. which if you haven't seen that movie 
the monsters in it for I quite literally believe twenty seconds. <laughs> Not really looking forward to that watch personally. Likewise. Again, I've already watched it once. I have not. Don't really want to watch it again, but I'll have to. But no, oh, it just boy. this this idea of of kaiju films at this time was not really relevant, and it's it makes sense why it would take a lot from Monster X Strikes Back because that was also distributed by Media Blasters. Mm-hmm. So John Cerebella, Cerebella probably had already seen the film liked what he saw, wanted to create his own, and knew that if he brought it to the States, it would do well because there were no kaiju. I mean, either that or, you know, just the writer Masasaku, Masakazu, sorry, Megita, just borrowed some elements from his previous script as well. Well, clearly he has this this same general idea because... Death Kappa feels like a Kawasaki film. The only thing oh, that's absolutely. missing is more of the basic filmmaking. Mm-hmm. What the, the the thing I love about Kawasaki films is the charm, is the the wittiness, the tongue firmly in the cheek. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the interesting thing on that it's like a Kawasaki. Like I remember when we were recording the Ashra. Uh, episode and I remembered that Death Kappa was going to be our next film um, when I was thinking of Death Kappa I honestly God thought it was a Minoru Kawasaki film mm-hmm. <laughs> I completely forgot it was directed by Haraguchi up until I think you mentioned it mm-hmm, because Haraguchi did the models for Ashura yeah he uh and then Later. he mentioned that he directed Def Kappa, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, he did, didn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's really left field because it feels like it, it hits everything for a Kawasaki film, minus the fact that it's shot like a special effects director did it. Mm-hmm. And that's not to to put a negative on Kawasaki, because Kawasaki has a cult following because of his film's following a certain persona, a certain look that mm-hmm. is undoubtedly Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. And here we are on a film that predates most of Kawasaki's kaiju films. And I think it's interesting to to watch this film and then watch Kawasaki's later work. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a clear connection that these films have. Death Kappa paved the way, maybe unintentionally. And I think it's quite ironic because of the end question mark, because it wasn't the end of that type of film. While Death Kappa failed at a large studio, it has been proven to be successful on an independent level. Mm Mm-hmm. There's enough people that want this sort of thing that it can be done on a low budget. Something that Death Kappa was trying to mimic with a larger budget, which is quite ironic. The existence of Death Kappa, I think, is very interesting because it is the turn of kaiju cinema to me. 
Mm -hmm. which you don't see like every every once in a blue moon you will see one of these kaiju films appear um you know obviously you have king kong 33 then you have godzilla 54 um Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, paved the way for – or King Kong versus Godzilla paved the way for the, the Showa-era look. Yeah. Um, Gigan uh, paved the way for the low-budget look. Um, you could even argue like maybe Ultraman. Ultraman was what kind of started that mm -hmm. um, on a lower level. Um, then you had like Gamera Guardian of the Universe, which – established a new norm or a new mm -hmm. like style of of film mm -hmm. and then you get death I mean, even biolante biolante yeah the new god of toho <laughs> yeah exactly um shinga or uh, attack on titan i feel like established more of the modern look or mm -hmm. shin godzilla even like further explored that yeah and Death Kappa, I think, fits in there. I think Death Kappa definitely not to the level of like Shin Godzilla or 54 or King Kong versus Godzilla, but on an independent level, it, it definitely mm -hmm. left. We are the first we are the first people to give Death Kappa anywhere near this sort of credit. <laughs> and I think part that's partly because people don't I feel like there's a, not a huge fan base for the parody side of kaiju. Yeah. Which is a valid opinion because I just sat here and criticized it. Mm -hmm. But to ignore it entirely is unfair, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, particularly given how this parody was a large proportion of what we got during that period after Godzilla and Gamera had essentially their wells had run dry and the only thing out of the major franchises was really like Ultraman at that time. And even then Ultraman was kind of struggling. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nexus got canceled. Uh, the Super next Raya sequels. Subarai went into bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Mebius and Max didn't do so hot, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it just, Everything at this time was weird, and Death Kappa was like this breath of fresh air from from all of the struggling attempts to keep the genre alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a reason people talk about Death Kappa more than Demi King or Gihara or Rigo and Raiga. Yeah. And... That's partly because of its bad rap, and that's partly because at the time people needed something, and Death Kappa was there to deliver. Mm -hmm. Death Kappa came out of the sky like nobody knew and just beat up all the bad guys <laughs> somehow. Jesus. So, I mean, I, I don't really have much more I can really say on the matter, but like, yeah. to me at least, that that is what Death Kappa left. Mm -hmm. And... The movie, I think, is barely gets by. Mm -hmm. But in the context of when it was released, it makes sense why it got by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, it's a film that I, I, I enjoy this film, but it's 
I have I also have my fair share of issues with it, a lot of which just come down to the unevenness of the writing and the comedy. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I, I think the film can be absolutely hilarious when, like, say, Hideaki Anno shows up and is just shouting at everyone. That is hilarious. The hysteric, just the whole... The whole sequence in the national space is absolutely hilarious with how over the top and ridiculous they are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that. But then some of the humor, like with the military ca- characters, like where every time one of them dies, they scream for their mothers. I'm like, why are we repeating this joke? It wasn't funny the first time, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I think it's an uneven film. Um, and you know but all things considered i was expecting like i had i was basically prepared for an absolute atrocity and i kind of enjoyed it (laughs) (laughs) overall i enjoyed it more than i disliked it so for what it's worth i guess that's sort of a seal not quite a seal of approval but um it, it was it was a fun watch. <laughs> now, you so you disagree with the idea that like tight and I'm I'm not I'm not calling Titan Goji out by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm just I feel like he is a pretty good. Uh, I mean, his to, reviews is one of the more, most popular videos on the film. Correct. So. It's a good point of measure, I say, on where the general consensus is. So, when... yeah, exactly. And so, like, on on that general consensus, how how do you feel about... Do you, I... do you think the film is worth a reanalysis and, like, a step back to look at where it was, much mm-hmm. like how we know GVK? Or... Yeah, I... I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it unfair to call it a bad film. It's certainly a heavily, heavily flawed film. But I think I think under its own context, as well as the fact that this is clearly like a small production, I think for what it's worth to like I feel calling it like one of the worst kaiju films is just hyperbolic personally especially when you have stuff like rebirth of more for two <laughs> well, i was gonna say demi king or like oh yeah City I, on the edge of battle well here's the thing i haven't seen demi king so i can't really comment on that um <laughs> gamma versus zegra is another example of a or super monster ah worse than this hell i yeah, argue I, this is better than some like some of like the late Heisei Godzilla films. So really? Yes. <laughs> now you, there's you, a can of worms. Yes. I mean I've made it no secret my thoughts on Godzilla vs. Mothra ninety two, so This is true. This is true. <laughs> also to link this because everything's been linked to Shin Ultraman, right? Like that's been our running gag so far. Yes. With so, Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi. Yeah, so that's how it's linked to Shin Ultraman. 
Yes. I just had to make sure we established that because we, we're going to keep this going. I don't know how our next movie is going to link to it, but we're going to find a way. Yeah. Worst comes to worst, at the very least, there's a link to Ashura in our next film. This is true. <laughs> so, I mean, at the end of the day, I think... Now, let me ask you this. Would you recommend Def Kappa to anybody who hasn't seen it? it? I would recommend it to someone who is who has seen a fair bit of the genre. I would not recommend this to someone who's new to the genre, mm-hmm. but someone who's seen at least like most like most if not all the Godzilla films, decent bit of gamma decent bit if not all of the gamma films and has some at least a little bit of experience with like common rider or ultraman mm-hmm. you know i feel so like, like that's sort of the that's sort of the audience that's gonna get the most out of death kappa so a seasoned kaiju viewer yeah yeah more or less okay because i don't I, I don't think this would appeal that much as anywhere near as much to someone who's sort of more casual with this stuff, personally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's okay. where I sort of stand on that. Okay. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think that's... I feel like to watch a... And maybe maybe this is an uh, unpopular opinion. But I feel like to watch a... Uh, parody, a parody? You have to be... Have some familiarity with with what, what it's, parodying. it's yes no yes. i'd agree 100 percent with that because there's some gags that i mean even on like kaiju fans there's some things like the female prisoner scorpion reference that's gonna go completely over people's mm-hmm. heads i mean that mm-hmm. one's not really a big thing that's kind of just there in the costume design where if you get it you get it if you don't you don't mm-hmm. um but yeah, no, I 100% agree with you there. And I even think like your analysis on Common Rider being influ- like influential for that first the first part of the film, I think is a really interesting thing that I didn't even think about. Like, mm-hmm. oh, no one talks about that, but it, no. but like I noticed <laughs> it, it also helped that the character was tie- tied up in a way sort of similar to how Ka- how Shocker crucifies like the common writer crew in like every other episode <laughs> but that's like you that's... think ultraman's learned for crucifications god help you i can't wait to watch common writer and see all the crucifications <laughs> that's my favorite part <laughs> but no like that's something that i'm sure they thought about like i guarantee you they did oh i don't doubt it's intentional <laughs> and when you bring it up, like if you've seen at least something Toei produced in that time period, you mm-hmm. do see the similarities. Um, despite the fact that your characters are useless, like it, it is there. It is there. Mm-hmm. So that that I I think I've learned, and I think I have a better understanding of Death Cap a little bit better after this conversation. Mm-hmm. But with that Why, being said, you. I'm glad my commentary has been of value. I honestly <laughs> feel like this is probably one of the best commentaries on the film. Like, not to stroke cat egos a bit. 
but like I feel like instead of following the typical path on this film and and just pointing out the flaws, we've also take took a step back and looked at what it did. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to think that a film like this actually did a lot. It's definitely a film that's overlooked, but I feel mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of just that's kind of just the thing with parodies is since since the tone is not something that people are going to take terribly serious that leads to people not really considering a lot of these aspects of the films right which is kind of disappointing because i feel like when you can start to parody a genre it makes you take a step back and look at what and where you are Mm -hmm. because i feel like once you've hit parody level that means you have run into a dry well now that you can only make fun of yourself. And it makes sense that Death Kappa would come out at this time. Mm-hmm. I with... mean, by this point, the kaiju genre in Japan had been very saturated, very saturated, particularly with Godzilla um, having had like, what, about like 20 films come out? <laughs> I think 24 at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Roughly 24, I think. 28? No? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you had the 15 Showa, and then oh, no, you no, had... no, I meant like t- about 20 films coming out in like near succession. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So all of the major stuff of Kaiju had kind of hit, and this was during the beginning of like the dry period until I would argue Shin Godzilla when mm-hmm. things started to ramp back up. Um, of course, yeah. that was that helped that was helped by 2014 and Pacific Rim Island well. and Pacific Rim. Yes. Um, that kind of shot it back into a little bit of the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're at a point where I feel like the idea of a parody needs to be held off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just because now we're, you know, with Shin Godzilla and Shin Ultraman, I'm sure Godzilla Zero will follow this. We're trying new things. Yeah. And from there, we also have the Gamera anime. Um, Ultraman has been starting to get a little different in its executions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Blazer teaser suggests a possibly a, a newer tone for new gen, so... Could be interesting to see where that goes if they stick to that tone that they set up. Mm-hmm. And what's to say here in another ten years or so we have a new Death Kappa? It, I'm not mm-hmm. saying like a sequel, but a new parody. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Oh, Kaos- I don't doubt. I don't doubt Kaos- we'll get something like that soon enough. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, it basically leads to what I'm assuming you're going to say. So, <laughs> I was just going to point out, even Kawasaki isn't producing just kaiju stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing, he's went back to kind of his weird animals with President Tanuki, Planet Prince 2021. <laughs> um, uh, he just, he's just announced a new one as well. Um, what was it? What the, the, is it the one that SRS is releasing, or is this like a new thing? 
I think it's down. a new like a new one he's working on. Oh. Um I think it's animal related. Hmm. I'm not quite sure personally. I'm checking real quick because I I know he oh UFO that's what it's called, huh. um which is it's more like Sajin or like aliens and whatnot. Yeah. Um. Like the fact that Kawasaki is moving away from your kaiju to do new things is is proof that the the parody of the kaiju genre kind of needs to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to see where the genre goes from here. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely expect this to happen again. Um, heck, even like Howl from Beyond the Fog and Brush of the Gods, like we are we are seeing a new wave of even independent stuff that is not meant to be humorous as much as it's meant to be new. Yeah. Um, I we're we're seeing a lot of people reaching back to the past. I mean, Shin, the fact that they're going back to the original ideas and bringing those new. Mm-hmm. Um, Howl from Beyond the Fog is set in the Meiji period. Uh, Brush of the Gods, you know, Orochi, one of the original, I would say, kaiju. Um, I mean, a part of the birth of Japan mythology. There's so much and. We will we'll see what happens. I mean, Godzilla Zero as well, going mm. back to Showa. That's what Yamazaki thinks needs to happen. Mm. So, I mean, it's also that Yamazaki just likes Showa. <laughs> this is true. Yamazaki's going to be in the next parody film saying Showa Ambition. <laughs> but it, yeah, This it's... movie would have been really ahead of its time if it cast Yamazaki. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean all this to say parody is something natural in the genre and it makes sense for Death Kappa to come out when it did and I feel like when people understand that the film becomes less I think people view it as disrespectful mm-hmm. and it becomes more understandable mm-hmm. so yeah there we go I I feel like I have somehow unexpectedly defended Death Kappa from the distaste people have for it. Mm-hmm. We have proven why Death Kappa is the most important kaiju film of the of the mid two thousands early twenty tens period. Yes, wonderful. I feel like we did. <laughs> I feel like we did. Well, Rex, I think it's time for us to wrap things up as this recording will be about two hours. Uh, Oh, God. I mean, that's better than three. True. Like, eh, that's true. I I can't argue with it. It's better than three part. (laughs) Because three hours, that's... That's a lot. Yeah, and I guess that means we have yet another commentary you guys could use for for your Death Kappa viewing experience. <laughs> if you would rather just watch Death Kappa with us talking about it, just like start the movie like 
or start the episode like 20 minutes early and then just play the movie and hear us talk about it. Yeah, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, something like that. Whenever we start talking about the plot, that's when you press start. Mm -hmm. So with that, Rex, why don't you tell the lovely people where they can find you at? Well, dear listener, you can find me on YouTube at Rexino, on Twitter at Rex underscore Xenomorph, and on Instagram at Rex underscore Xena. If you want to check out some of my writing as well um, on Tokusatsu for news and all that stuff, you can check out uh, the Tokusatsu Network. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at ET13Productions, on Instagram at ET13Productions, or on YouTube at ET13Productions. If you want to find my personals, I won't link them, but it's not that difficult. You can find them if you really want to. I also write for Kaiju Ramen Media, a uh, multimedia uh, organization that works on giving fans what they want by fans. Um, I have written for Kaiju Ramen Magazine, a quarterly magazine that publishes informative and opinionated articles on the wide world of giant monster movies. I also write for the website, kaijuramanmedia.com. I also uh, recently got the pleasure of being the first to write and record a video for the organization, um, which you can find in issue 8 of Kaiju Ramen Magazine, where there is a QR code that goes to the YouTube video that I created. Ooh. So definitely check that out, and you might appreciate the little reference I put at the beginning for a certain Superaya show. Oh. Oh? But, obviously you don't want to look at my stuff. You want to support the podcast, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. what we're here for, supporting the podcast. So, if you want to do that... Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. That boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. We haven't had any reviews lately, so if you could please help us get that 3.3 rating up, that would be greatly appreciated. Leave a review. You don't have to put something, but if you do, that would be greatly appreciated. Just let us know that we're doing a good job. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I don't. I should probably take that out of the script. Because I have a MacBook that I'm literally doing the podcast on now. You can tweet us and follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. Or you can leave us a review on Spotify as they now offer that. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook at the same handle as our Twitter. If you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media, lucky you. You can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And we will read your reviews on air for everyone to hear. We also have a Teespring store. It's just our logo. Eventually we'll have original artwork on there. But until then, you can just sport that awesome logo and say, we t- uh, I talk big. <laughs> so, so original, I know, right? Hmm. If you'd like to have more conversations with Rex or I, check out our Discord server where you can chat with us, like I said, or others about topics like Death Kappa or things that you like. Recently, the most, uh, oh, recently, the discussion that I see in our general chat room 
was about ah uh, yes the infamous time travel plot of Godzilla versus King Ghidorah in 1991. Ooh, what a fun can of worms. Yes. It's a great community full of great people, a lot of fun. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload a video. Um, that's where all of our backlog of videos go, our bloopers for each episode, mini-sodes, and monthly live streams. We now do those. So definitely check those out. They're a lot of fun. And if you want some laughs, definitely check out the bloopers because in case you haven't been able to tell, I'm kind of crazy. Yeah. Not a lot. Just a little bit. Uh, he's a little more than a little crazy. I'm a little crazy. Not a lot. Just a little bit of soy. He's Enough to be crazy idiot, and go, you already knew oh that. boy. What? What? <laughs> you, want, you want to repeat that? Yeah. You're an idiot. But everyone knew that. Then you defend Death Kappa. Hmm? Defend Death Kappa. It's a cool movie. I feel like you just undermined my whole, like, 30-minute rant. Okay. <laughs> and? Yeah, I defended I, the movie throughout. But you, I said positive things about this film. I, I, I did. You know, I said negative things, and yet I still found a way to defend it. That makes me the smarter person. That's that's not a good scale. I disagree. You're also the same person that dislikes Shin Guns a lot. Because so. it's bad. Once again, proving he's an idiot. We also have an interview with Mechagodzilla designer Jared Kirchfeski on the channel, so definitely check that out. Even though he yells at me and like makes me feel like I'm an idiot and uh, all it that is good funny, stuff. Sure. Yes. Sure. Uh-huh. A huge thanks to Rex for editing all of these episodes <laughs> and other content we upload. His links can be found in the description below. Please give him a check. Even though he does harass me, he is a great person and he does a great job and I appreciate everything he does. I'm doing it for the for the enjoyment of our viewers. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're just bad. like hearing yourself bash me. Well, that's just that's just the bonus. Oh. <laughs> that's that's the bonus you get is you get to relive the moments where you call me an idiot. Oh yeah, I do get to relive them. Yeah. Along with Rex, we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to Danny DeMana of the Godzilla Novelization Project for his amazing vocals on our theme song. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Danzilla94? 95? Nice memory there. Yeah, I need to, I really need to put that in the script. Every time, every recording I say that. Mm. Every recording. Danzilla93 underscore GNP or on Google, you can look up GodzillaNovelizationProject.com and that will take you straight to his website where all of his work can be found. Along with that, a huge thanks to Gretton Conwell from Giant Monster BS, the podcast, for composing the music for our theme song. Look him up on Twitter at Giant Monster BS or on any podcast platform, Giant Monster BS, and give his podcast a listen. Matt and Gratton are great people, and they have a pretty fun podcast, if I do say so myself. 
And with that, I think we're going to wrap things up here. So thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, please remember, life's too short to not tuck big. Bye, guys. Bye. We are set. We are in debt. There's nothing to sweat. Life's too short now, baby. Now, baby, we love those kaiju, baby, and you will too now.